If you haven't watched the Mandalorian season finale yet, go watch it, because we're about to spoil the fuck out of it. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Ninja Warrior Podcast for Monday, December 21st, 2020. I am Greg Hernandez, your host, and let me start out by saying a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, I don't, I don't want to leave anybody else out, and, uh, but, and if you're one of those people that gets upset because Starbucks doesn't put Merry Christmas on the cup, fuck you. Anyway, been a big week. It's been a really big week for anyone who saw the Mandalorian season finale. Again, like I said, we're going to have spoilers out the yin-yang. So, yeah, go watch that and come on back. Um, download it twice because I need the counterfeit numbers, if you can, please. Anyway, um, I'm going to cover... All right, let me let me start off by saying first I'm going to cover the TLC, uh, WWE TLC pay-per-view. I want to do that first because Mandalorian season finale... Nothing's going to follow that. It really isn't. Uh, Amy will be here when I do the Mandalorian review. But like I said, I'm going to do the WWE pay-per-view first. And I thought it would be really funny to have her watch the pay-per-view because, well, non-wrestling fans trying to make sense out of what the fuck they booked is always never not funny to me. Folks, she made it through the first match and she was just on her phone. Like, she was just TikToking all over the place. They're... they're the WWE pay-per-view could not keep her attention. So I realized I'm like, yeah, this is not going to be a good review. I, I think I'll just take that this one. So uh, anyway, WWE pay-per-view, TLC, the last pay-per-view of 2020, thank God. And we started out with AJ Styles versus Drew McIntyre, TLC match for the WWE Heavyweight Championship. Explain this to me. Can you please explain to me how the WWE Championship opens the show how the fuck does the top guy on your brand the top two guys on your brand end up as curtain jerkers can you can you please and that's not even the weirdest shit that happened on this show that i the show's 30 seconds old and i'm going the fuck why are these guys opening every match started with a 10 to 15 minute fucking hype video which was really cool for the first three matches and then all of a sudden i'm like really are we going to do this for all six fucking matches on this card? But anyway, this was, it was a good match, but at the same time, I kind of feel like, well, this is AJ Styles and Drew McIntyre. And I kind of feel like their producer, their agent, whatever the fuck they call them now, just went out there and told them, hey, don't be too good. Because these guys are capable of putting on great matches. And this wasn't it wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. It definitely wasn't what these two guys could do. And I honestly think their agent told them, like, hey, don't do too much because you're in the opener. Why the fuck would the WWE Championship match not steal the show? Why? Why? Anyway, it, we're already ass backward in this show. We, we really are. So these guys, like I said, they had a decent match. They hit each other with a bunch of plunder and shit. Just mainly chairs, but ladders. And it didn't... Here's... Okay, here's, a, here's the point to a good weapons match, folks. The violence has to build. 
Okay, so you start off maybe hitting each other with fucking chairs, okay? And then at some point you are jumping off of ladders and then you go to putting each other through tables. There has to be a progression to the violence. And there really wasn't. These guys just kept hitting each other with different shit. Uh, I did like, I laughed when AJ's on the mat and Drew basically does a vertical suplex to a ladder. He just lifts it up over his head like he's suplexing the ladder, drops it on AJ Styles, but Drew is selling like this ladder weighs 600 pounds. Like, bro, I've seen all of you guys lift a ladder up with one arm, okay? And now this ladder, all of a sudden, all of a sudden this ladder is made of adamantium and Drew just can't get it up overhead. I thought that was funny as shit. Uh, there was one spot that popped Amy. She, she laughed. Drew's outside, laid out on a table. AJ's going to go for that springboard 450 through the table. AJ springboards up to the top, and then you just see Drew throw a chair at him, just saboot him in the face with this chair. Amy laughed so hard at that spot. I, I, I can't help it. I laughed too, but so the match was going pretty good when they, this seemed like it was broken into three parts. Okay. So you had your kind of your, your basic wrestling match in the beginning and then they start going to the hardcore shit, start working the ladders, start teasing. And then you had the outside interference. Miz and Morrison do a run in and Miz comes in and he cashes in his money in the bank. He cashes in the contract. So now this is a three, this is a triple threat ladder match for the WWE championship. And it was okay. So I'm already flashing on WrestleMania 34, 30, which one was it here in California? The one in, in Santa Clara, uh, where Seth Rollins cashed in on Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar making a triple threat match. I'm already, I don't remember which WrestleMania that was, but I'm already flashing on that. So now we have a match where Drew McIntyre is just getting double teamed and triple teamed. Like this is a bang bus video. Like he is just getting the shit beat out of him. And I hear a lot of this criticism a lot and I try to ignore it, but you really can't. Why don't the baby faces have any friends? Why is that? Is that a WWE thing now? Is that like a ruling? Like you can't say wrestling or you can't say belt or, or you can't say that kind of, you can't say championship match. It, like, do the baby faces have to have no friends at all? Because Drew just got his ass handed to him for weeks now. I have been watching Raw and and all of a sudden Sheamus and Drew are fucking drinking buddies and they're best friends and they've been traveling the road all over Europe and both of them been in the company off and on for 10 years. Never fucking saw these two like even wave, wave to each other, but now all of a sudden they're best friends. TLC match, Drew's getting his ass kicked by four guys, and Sheamus is nowhere to be found. Like, if that were my friend, I'd be like, fuck you, bro. Like, but yeah, why, explain to me why the baby faces have no friends. I, this is something I've never understood. Even if you have the friend try to help and get his ass kicked, it's something. It's fucking something. So, anyway, Miz and Morrison do a run-in. AJ's been put through a table. Drew gets put through a table. Miz cashes in his Money in the Bank contract. And I'm thinking, no. No, you are not putting the championship on this dick. 
Like, your fucking raw rating just hit, like, an all-time low. Like, it's lowest rating in 25 years. And you're putting... You're putting the title on this dickhead? Really? Like, I'm sure Mike Bazanin's a cool fucking dude, but... He's... Putting a title on him is not gonna change the ratings, folks. It really isn't. He starts to climb the ladder as slow as humanly possible. Like, I'm pretty sure there are paraplegics out there that could climb this ladder faster than the Miz did. And I'm going like, okay, all right, we're not putting the title on him. Okay, yeah, that... And here comes almost, almost, what the fuck is it? AJ's Giant, whatever AJ's Giant's name is, comes in, yanks Miz off the ladder, catches him like an infant. He's carrying him around like a fucking child. And that spot, Amy laughed at that spot. We, bo- we both got a good laugh at that spot because he's seriously just carrying this fucking guy around like a child. And then uh, almost just leans over the top rope and drops him through a fucking table. <laughs> that was the safest bump in this entire match. It really was. Almost put this guy fucking down flat on his back through the table. Like you have cu- you could not have asked for a safer bump. And then Miz, Miz hits this guy with a chair and they gimmick the chair so the chair just explodes. As soon as it hits almost his back, the chair just explodes and I pop for that. Because it's, you can get away with subtle visual comedy like that. You can get away with, because the chair explodes, almost turns around with this look on his face like, motherfucker. And John Morrison sells this shit oh my god the look on his face was just oh shit oh I fucked up now I died I fucking died and he runs up the ramp I I do hate this thing where a w, like WWE superstars they run for help and now all of a sudden they're trapped in a wide open space because he, John Morrison's just kind of like where do I go what, what do I do where do I I'm like motherfucker run go through the door like, like, the curtain you just came through on the left? Fucking go through that. But, anyway, that part annoyed me. Anyway, they have this giant, convoluted finish where Drew sets up the ladder. He's climbing up. AJ climbs up. And they're battling on top of the ladder. And then Miz sets up a third ladder. He climbs up. AJ gets knocked down. Drew and Miz are fighting. They're going back and forth. Drew falls down, AJ climbs up, Miz and AJ are fighting, and then Miz falls down, Drew climbs Son of a bitch, somebody grab the title. Somebody grab this fucking belt. Like, okay, so AJ, Miz, both get knocked down. Drew pulls the title down, retains his championship. Drew McIntyre, still your WWF heavyweight, WWE heavyweight champion. Sorry, haven't been WWF since like 2005. We then go to the match for the Women's WWE Tag Team Championship. We have Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler versus Asuka and her mystery partner. Why do we have a mystery partner? See, because they've spent the last 10 weeks, 12 weeks, building up Lana. And by building her up, I mean putting her through a fucking table every fucking week. And everyone, okay, so everybody, everybody's saying like, dude, she's getting, she's getting shit hammered. Because her husband now works for AEW. But WWE officials, no, no, we're pushing her. Where she's a she's a babyface. Well, she might be a babyface, but she's a shitty fucking babyface. 
she got put through a table every week for 10 weeks. And then, and then you injure her. Like it's supposed to be Asuka and Lana going into this match. But then you injure Lana. So wait, the babyface who just got just got fed shit for the last two months, two and a half months, doesn't get her revenge? Like that makes no sense whatsoever. So now Asuka goes in with a with a mystery partner and Charlotte Flair's music hits. And I'm going like, oh yeah, we, we haven't seen we haven't seen Charlotte since WrestleMania. I totally forgot about her. Okay. Um, I don't know what she's been doing, but holy shit, she looked great. She is in shape. Just came in, just shredded. And did she have plastic surgery? Because her face looked different. Like, I don't know if they just did her makeup differently or if she had some work done. I'm not, but the face looked a little, not, didn't look bad. It just looked different. Somebody let me know, because that's fucking with me. Um... About as good a match as you're going to have with Nia and Jax involved. I mean, honestly, uh, I did notice that. Did anyone get any offense on Charlotte whatsoever? Like it, it never happened. The only offense I remember was Shayna gets the Carafuda clutch. Charlotte rolls back one, two. Uh, Shayna kicks out, sits up. Charlotte hits the uh, natural selection. One, two, three new women's champions. So, okay. I mean, you kind of had to, if you're going to bring back Charlotte on a surprise, you kind of have to put him over for the titles. Cause otherwise Charlotte came back and she got beat. So, all right. I mean, it was a decent match. Now it's a matter of, I, here's the question. Do Charlotte and Oscar start fighting tonight on raw? Or are we going to hold that back? We're going to wait like at least a week because Tag team partners have to fight in WWE. Uh, in WWE, women can never get along, and now you have a women's tag team. Yeah, they're going to be killing each other before the end of the year. Just, just saying. We then move from the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships to the Raw Men's Tag Team Championships. We have the hurt business of Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin versus The New Day. And this is the match where my Wi-Fi decided to be such a fickle little bitch. Because we get to the heat. And this Okay, so what I saw of this match, really good. What I got to see was really good. But for some reason, once they got the heat on um, Xavier Woods, my Wi-Fi just stopped. And it would stop on a picture of Cedric Alexander holding uh, like a, a chin lock on uh, Xavier. And then it would just, it would buffer and buffer and buffer and then it would once it started it jumped back like three minutes so I got to watch them cut off Xavier Woods and then we kept going and then we got back to that chin lock and we buffer and we buffer and then it jumps back three minutes and I'm stuck in this time loop I'm really stuck in this in this um, in this time loop where it will not get past this three minutes in the match so I said fuck it I restarted my Wi-Fi and when I restarted the match the next match was going on. So I have no idea what happened. Um, I checked the results and uh, Hurt, Hurt Business wins the tag team championship. So good on them. I'm not entirely sure how it happened, but alrighty then. I just now realized I put the matches in the wrong order on my notes. 
because it wasn't the women's tag team championship that happened before the men's tag team championship. It was the SmackDown women's title match. Sasha Banks versus Carmella. So anyway, uh, we're just going to call an audible and we're going to go back to that one. Sasha Banks worked her ass off in this match. She fucking carried Carmella. Now, in all fairness, whatever the hell Carmella's been doing, she's a lot better than she was a year ago. I will give her that, all right? But I have never seen a more unsuper super kick in my life. I, I really, like, Carmella, just fucking stop, babe. Just, just, whatever you're doing with that right foot, stop it. Just find something else to do, okay? But Sasha worked her ass off. Corey Graves worked his ass off to put over his side piece. Like, oh my god. Bro, I get it. You're dating. You left your wife for this chick, okay? Do we have to put her over that fucking hard? Even after she lost the match. She lost the fucking match and Corey's like, well, well, she she didn't quit. She showed a lot. Of, bro, just, just stop. Just, we get it. We, we all know. Just stop. Anyway, spoiler alert. Uh, Sasha Banks taps out Carmella with the bank statement. Yeah, that happened. We move on to the Universal Championship, Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens. Again, why don't the babyfaces have any friends? Because this was... Okay, I will say this. Kevin Owens was a hero in this match. Kevin Owens was great because the whole match was two-on-one. It was Roman Reigns and Jimmy J. Uso against Kevin Owens. And they didn't fuck around. So like 90 seconds into the match, Jimmy J. runs in and he starts beating up on Owens. And Owens isn't taking any of his shit. Owens fucked this guy up. Like, beat the shit out of him with a chair, put him into guardrails, pilmanizes him with the chair. Pilmanizes him with the chair. And I'm going, oh, that's smart. That's really smart because now in storyline, you've taken Jimmy J. Uso out of the match and that's, that's perfect psychology until Jimmy J. does a, does a run in again, 10 minutes later with a broken ankle. Like, cause he fought valiantly like, like a, like a baby face should, but he's a heel. Wait, wait, what? Again, ass backward folks, completely ass backward. And Again, I'm going to keep harping on this. Why do the babyfaces have no friends? Because Jimmy J. Uso gets fucking pilmanized with the chair. And eight guys carry him back. But in the main event of the show, with what happened to The Fiend, and everyone said, eh, fuck him. Eh, it doesn't matter. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Okay. Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens, they beat the shit out of each other. Hot start to the match. Roman makes his entrance, which I thought it was kind of weird. Why does the champion come in first? But it's WWE and, and the rules are written on an Etch-A-Sketch, so it doesn't really matter. Um, Roman makes his entrance and Kevin Owens jumps him from behind, which if you followed SmackDown, it makes perfect sense that Kevin would be like, fuck this shit, jumps him from behind. We got a hot start and these guys started this off like a fight. 
These guys, I mean, Owens is beating on Roman like like Roman just insulted his mother's potato salad. That's that's what an ass whooping Roman Reigns started out with. I'm sorry for the sirens, folks. I, if you can hear that, I I live on the east side of Bakersfield, and there's always sirens, so I apologize for that. Anyway, hey, there were no gunshots first, so that's a plus. Anyway, this thing started out like a fight. This thing, oh my god, these guys beat the crap out of each other, and like I said. Uso runs in. He gets pilmanized. They have to carry him out. But he fights his way back in. And we have a two-on-one against Kevin Owens. And I'm going to say, you know what? They really... They did a great job of, again, making Kevin Owens look like a hero. Because he'd beat down Roman, and then he'd get jumped by Jimmy J. He'd beat down Jimmy J, and then he would get cut off by Roman. But in the end... He ends up taking two spears, gets put through three tables, and I seriously still thought they were going to put the title on him because they, I mean, they did a great job of building the drama in this match, and I'm just, I'm going, no. No, you are not putting, oh, and I thought this was the main event. I thought this was, I couldn't remember anything after, so I'm going, oh, that's why you gave us such a crappy WWE Championship match because the Universal one was actually, this is the one where they put smiles on faces. Fucking corporate buzzword bullshit. Uh, but I seriously thought, I'm like, are you really going to put the title on Kevin Owens? No, no, not so much. So anyway, the finish of this match, Owens is climbing to the top. Roman cuts him off. Roman puts a guillotine choke on him on the top of a ladder. And I'm just going like, Oh, that's going to suck. The bump he's going to have to take to sell this. It, folks, if you're at the top of a ladder and you get choked out, you, you you don't gently fall off a ladder. You land on your fucking head. So I'm just thinking, like, don't. Do not. And he did a good job of just kind of flopping, just ragdolling himself off the ladder. Roman goes up, pulls his championship down. Roman Reigns, still your universal champion. So at this point, I thought the show was done. I'm going, like, Really? Two, two and a half hour show? Like, that's that's all we're getting? Are you telling me you're doing a pay-per-view that's actually shorter than Raw? No. No, not so much. Because we then had Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt in a Firefly Inferno match. Okay, first off, what the fuck is a Firefly Inferno match? They never told us. Never fucking told us. I mean... Inferno match tells me that because well, you know remember the great Matt classic Inferno matches between Kane and the Undertaker. So based on that, I figured somebody's getting set on fire. Randy Orton makes his uh, makes his entrance, and hey, guess what, folks? Randy Orton owns pants. I have never seen this fucking guy wear pants ever. He's always wearing his trunks, his knee pads, his boots. He's got one of his merchandise shirts on, so he's porky-pigging it down to the ring all the time. And this fucking guy comes down with pants and a zip-up hoodie. And then the Fiend comes down in his normal ring gear, except he left his leather jacket on. This fucking guy, oh my god, had to wrestle in what easily had to be a 10 or 15 pound leather jacket. Oh... This poor fucking guy. But, okay, so here's the finish I thought they were going for. This is, here's where I thought they were going. 
why would Randy Orton wear pants and a zip-up hoodie instead of his normal ring gear? I honestly thought at some point, because what they did was they had, instead of having the fire around the ring, they had the fire on the outside of the guardrails and interspersed in the monitors that they have the, the world's biggest Zoom call on, all the fans and shit. So you have various fire throughout parts of the building. And I seriously thought what they were going to do is at some point Bray Wyatt was going to throw Randy Orton over the guardrail. We were, we were going to lose sight of him. And then all of a sudden they would have a stunt man just lit on fire wearing the exact same hoodie and pants. And we get to see quote unquote Randy Orton lit on fire. I seriously thought that was the kind of cinematic bullshit they were going to go with. No, 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 not so much. Not, not so much at all. What happened, what ended up happening was, let's just, okay. Bray Wyatt attacked Randy Orton with an axe. He fucking attacked him with a pickaxe. And I'm like, holy shit, this, we're seriously just almost, this is almost a Texas Chainsaw Massacre type movie that we're watching here. That's, that's what's going on. At one point, the old rocking chair the Wyatt family rocking chair that I'm fairly certain has been burned three or four times that shows up at ringside. They put Randy Orton in it. They cover, they covered in gasoline, put Randy Orton in it. And then they go and they leave a trail of gasoline leading up to it. Like this is a fucking Looney Tunes cartoon. Bray Wyatt drops a Zippo lighter and the flames just trace the gasoline headed right toward the rocking chair. We get this fantastic close-up of Randy Orton's face, and this his eyes bug out of his head. Like I seriously expected, like some some again Looney Tunes, just his eyes just shoot out of his skull, and he jumps out of the chair. And now the chair is covered in blood. Why it has blood on it, I have no idea. And the chair just lights up. So the chair is burning for the fourth time, if you're keeping track. And that's when I realized, I'm like, you fucking people don't know how gasoline works, do, do you? Because it's, it's not the gas that's flammable, it's the fumes. You sat Randy Orton in a rocking chair covered in gasoline in normal street clothes. There's going to be gas soaked into his clothes. That fucking guy should ignite like a Roman candle still. Okay, but no, that in WWE world, physics do not apply. Physics and chemistry, just not a thing here. So here's the finish. We'll just cut to the finish because the finish is fucking hilarious. These guys are fighting outside the ring. The Fiend has the mandible claw on Randy Orton. He's pushing Randy back first toward the flame. Randy manages to reverse, push Bray Wyatt into the fire, and the leather jacket and the... the Hair, the braids just light on fire. So now we have a ball of flame that used to be Bray Wyatt, which is exactly what I thought they were going to do with Randy Orton. So it was kind of the finish, but I had it backwards. Randy jumps back in the ring because apparently there's, a, I don't know why he had to jump back in the ring, but he did. Bray Wyatt, who's on fire, runs back into the ring and as he runs as he slides under the bottom rope stands up runs right into an RKO 
Now, let's let's go back. Let's let's retrace our steps here, folks. The fiend, Bray Wyatt, we have seen him get hit in the face with sledgehammers, with toolboxes. We have seen this guy and and every single time, every single time he gets hit with shit that would crack a normal man's skull and he just shakes it off. No big deal. This fucking guy was just set on fire, takes an RKO, and now he's unconscious. Apparently, fire cancels out his superpowers. That's he's my. I did not realize that he was uh, Martian Manhunter. I really didn't. That's I just put that together right now. That's why I'm stuttering. Fucking Bray Wyatt is Martian Manhunter. You light him on fire. Fucking done. Now, as per the rules, this this match is done, right? Bray Wyatt was on fire. We just saw this fucking guy on fire. Match is over. There's no bell. There's no referee to say, hey, it's done. This match is... No, no. Randy Orton goes outside and he gets a, a gas can. He covers Bray Wyatt in gas. Lights a match. And here's... I had... I, I kind of suspected that this was not live, folks. There, during this whole show, there were things that told me this show was not live. This clinched it. This really did. Because somewhere between pouring the gas on Bray Wyatt and him lighting the match, they cut out and there's now a dummy in the ring. There is now a dummy Bray Wyatt laying there in just in dead man's pose, covered in gasoline. Randy Orton lights a match and throws it on his nuts. Go back and watch a video. He did. He fucking throws the match on Bray Wyatt's crotch, roasting his chestnuts, if you will. And this fucking guy just goes up. He is lit on fire like a just like a pile of trash just goes up on fire. Meanwhile, the announcers are losing their shit. Like, I think Samoa Joe shit his pants. I really do. And I'm going, wait, you guys were perfectly fine when he was on fire like two minutes ago. But now that he's covered in gas and on fire, Randy, Randy, you don't want to do this. Randy, Randy, don't. I'm like, can, can you, um, guys, we, we just saw him on fire. And why is this match still going? The fucking guy was on fire 30 seconds ago. Apparently, the rules are you have to set the guy on fire twice. I, I don't know. So, and like I said earlier, Jimmy J. Uso gets his ankle pilmonized in a chair. Eight guys help him to the back. Bray Wyatt gets lit on fire, and everyone's like, Fuck it. Let him cook. And we go off air with Bray Wyatt just set ablaze. And that's, yeah, that's it. That's done. Um, that was the final, <laughs> that was the final pay-per-view of 2020. Merry Christmas. The Fiend's on fire, I guess. I don't know. Um, Raw starts here in like 15 minutes. So if the Fiend Bray Wyatt shows up to Raw and his and he's still smoldering like his jacket and his hair and shit is still smoking, I will let all this go. I, I will let this slide because that's going to be funny as shit. Anyway, folks, that was the TLC pay-per-view review. And um, yeah, so I'm going to bring Amy in here and we're going to do the Mandalorian season finale. All right. And we are back and uh, I have come back with the Amy. Hi, Amy. <laughs> it takes her a while to get going, folks. She's kind of an introvert. Kind so, of. yeah, kind of. Okay, so 
as I was saying earlier, that I didn't subject you to reviewing the, the WWE pay-per-view with me because you made it all of one match and, and you did not give a shit. You couldn't care less. I mean, I watched... I was in and out. It, you it, watched... definitely, it definitely was a struggle to, to pay attention because I guess after hearing so many stories from you, like knowing that it's a con, I'm just watching and I'm like, this is hokey as shit. Well, now you're going to make me explain the whole con thing. It's <laughs> <laughs> My bad. All right. What she's, what she's referring to is, I told her the history of pro wrestling is, it goes back to traveling carnivals. And the reason that pro wrestling is a work is because they would come into town, they would take bets on all of the matches, and then they would fix the matches so that they ran off with all the town's money. That's why the fans are referred to as marks. Because what what's a mark other than the target of a con? So, what if the guy's name is Mark? That's happened. I've I've met a, a lot of marks that are marks. It's <laughs> you okay? I'm just laughing because I'm trying to. I'm just trolling you. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so I brought I brought Amy back in because we have some Mandalorian to talk about, and oh, do we? I've already said it at least twice. Spoiler warning. If you haven't watched it, we're going to spoil the fuck out of this episode. So, all right. So, how are you feeling after after the season finale? I'm, I'm depressed. I gotta wait 12 freaking months. Well, we did have the announcement of like 10 different shows that are going to be released in the next five years or so. Five years. So right. what am I still? That begs the question. What am I doing for twelve months? I now have to find a new show. Is that is that what I'm doing? Well, we like I said, we're gonna just. I'm gonna spoon feed you different sci-fi movies and TV shows and everything, and and then we're gonna yeah, we're gonna get your because you are a sheltered child, and so we have to get Amy's perspective on Firefly and folks. She's never watched Terminator. I, just, I found this out. She has never watched any of the Terminator movies. So I'm going to show you one and two, and trust me, you don't need to see anything else after that. Terminator 3 was a giant piece of shit. <laughs> Terminator Salvation almost got uh, Christian Bale killed because he went off on a, on a, a PA, and, and they I'm sure they wanted to stab him. <laughs> Actually, I think I had a friend that worked on that movie, and he did want to stab him. Yeah, yeah, there's 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 video of him just losing his shit on a PA because the guy like walked into a shot. That the guy wasn't paying attention and he walked into a shot and Christian Bale like his butthole was like just immediately slammed shut and he just lost it on this poor fucking guy. Mm. Cranky. Cranky just actors. Okay, so getting into the Mandalorian. This was chapter 16. Season finale, series, not season, season two finale. I almost said series finale. And all right, so we start out. Baby Yoda has been kidnapped by Grogu. John Favreau said it's perfectly acceptable to call him Baby Yoda. Well, all right. If the Fav says it, then I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with it. <laughs> We're that tight. He is the Fav. And so Grogu is being held by Moff Gideon, and. Uh, Mando gave, sent out that his his uh, taken speech, his Liam Neeson moment, like I will find you, I will find you, and I will hurt you. Like he he sent out that message. So we open with Mando, Kara, and Boba track down Doctor Pershing. They uh, capture him, and they said, "All right, you're gonna give us the layout of Moff Gideon's Imperial cruiser." 
and the guy's he's such a fantastic weasel he's just like all right yeah here you go like i don't give a fuck you go here watch out for the dark troopers yeah they're, they're gonna be a bitch um the kids probably held here like oh my god like yeah, a two like he, he didn't even he wasn't even hesitating at all just like oh by the way here's this he like a two dollar snitch he just he told them everything they wanted to know you don't watch a lot of cop dramas. There's always that. There's always that informal who just like, "Hey, bro, whatever you want to know, I don't give a shit." Like, yeah, that's he. He basically just caved like one of those guys. So they start putting the plan together that we're gonna break into the ship. We're gonna. Oh wait, hold on. We need backup. So they go find Bo-Katan and Sasha Banks, and this part I love this part because Bo-Katan looks at Boba Fett and she's like, "You're not a Mandalorian." <laughs> he's like, I never said I was. And then yeah, that that scene got super heated, super fast. Right, like it was for some reason they were just throwing daggers at each other automatically. I'm, I'm assuming that that maybe they're doing some kind of foreshadowing for Boba's show. Oh, spoiler! Maybe I know we're yeah. probably gonna get to that later. <laughs> but the it just didn't really feel like it fit with the rest of the episode. That little like you know my balls are bigger than yours kind of thing like what what's what's the exchange who the fuck cares well if you you know what if you had stopped there if you had stopped with Bo-Katan kind of just giving Boba shit it would have been fine but then you get Sasha Banks talking about I didn't know sidekicks could talk and I'm paraphrasing but Boba's like bitch Mm -hmm. (laughs) like did you just call me a sidekick really and then we have the nice little the fight between them didn't we, didn't we like go back five ten seconds like like a, at least like three times because we were trying to figure out what they were like what we we, were, we didn't even understand the exchange like what well first you and I could have swore she said I didn't know they let psychics talk yeah and I was like how what did I was like did I miss something what, what the fuck psychic? What? and then we rewound it couldn't understand it again rewound it couldn't understand it finally went fuck it we're gonna put the subtitles on no no, no. I said uh, can we can we please put the captions, please? <laughs> I I don't. I am an avid caption user, and it absolutely drives Greg nuts. Okay, here's why. I have I have uh, ADD, and if you have subtitles on, that's what my eyes are drawn to. And so I'm not watching the show. This has now become a reading assignment, and I'm doing a book report. That that's basically. That's why I can't have subtitles on. So we're totally opposite. Like you have to have them on. I don't have to have them. I just prefer them on if it's okay if there's a lot so the reason why i keep them on is total tangent but if the reason why i keep them on is because i've got kids and if i'm trying to watch one of my shows and they're home they're awake and they're doing all kinds of nonsense i i don't want to have to keep rewinding a scene so i can understand the dialogue i'd rather just be able to be like look and then i can catch myself up like oh okay and by kids folks she means teenagers and, and you know how well, they're teenagers now, but I've been doing this since. They right. Were but I mean, my point is we all know how quiet and considerate teenagers usually are. So yeah, they don't give a shit if you, you can't, if you're watching your show, kids of any age up until, okay, up that's until about, point. I would say up until about 23 <laughs> kids are inconsiderate and rude and disrespectful. Okay. Fair point. Anyway. <laughs> so yeah, so she has to have the, the subtitles on. I, I'm not a fan and after we rewound this scene three times, we're both just like, fucking turn the subtitles on. Can't understand a fucking word this guy's saying. So Mando says, hey, they took the kid. And Bo-Katan says, 
yeah, good luck with that. He, he's gone. And Boba, I love Boba just, not Boba, but Mando kind of like just dangles the, hey, if you help us, you can keep the ship. <laughs> yeah. The ship and, you know, the saber. Like, yeah, no big deal. Oh, I skipped ahead of you. Sorry. It's okay. You did. It's all right. And so. It's a, it's a segue. <laughs> right. So here's here was the plan. Mando, Kara, Bo-Katan, and Sasha Banks driving the, uh, flying the Imperial shuttle. They're going to head toward the ship. Boba's going to chase them. Boba's going to shoot at them. And they're going to be like, hey, we need help. They're going to get onto the ship. Boba's going to bounce for the rest of the episode because we didn't see that fucking guy ever again. We never saw him again. Definitely un- take off. Until after the post credit scene. Like, Boba just straight up dipped. He was gone. And they fly onto the ship, start shooting shit up. It was fantastic. And the plan was get to the bridge take the bridge, capture Moff Gideon while Mando goes to the brig and gets Baby Yoda. That sounds like a good plan, right? But of course, things aren't going to go... I've seen every heist movie ever. Things never go according to plan. There's always a snag. And the snag was the fucking dark troopers. They were able to activate the dark troopers and Mando's able to cut one of them off and he ends up fighting... Didn't I tell you those? They were fucking terrifying. Yes. Those things scared the shit out of me. Yeah, that's how we actually got on the topic of Terminators. You showed me a clip and said, "Look, it's equally scary." Right. <laughs> I didn't say it like that. It's scary. No, that's not what I said. What yeah, I know there's a lot more crying involved. There was, and there was some. There was some snot bubbles. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> My point was, if you look at the animation of the Dart Troopers, it looked just like the T-800 in the original Terminator movie. So that part just... I'm like, oh, that's fucking terrifying. It's great. Mando just getting his ass kicked by this Dart Trooper. Like, this thing is punching him in the head and actually puts a hole in the wall using Boba's, uh, using Mando's head. Because his helmet's hard as shit and just like, boom, boom, boom. Um... There's no dents, bro. It ain't working. <laughs> but he just keeps punching him in the face. Can you imagine what that would have been like, being inside that helmet? Just like... Ding, ding. It's like having your head in a bell. <laughs> you just keep bouncing back and forth like, ow, not so ow, kind of ow. <laughs> Major ow. <laughs> Mando's able to stab this thing in the neck with that Beskar spear that he got from uh, he got from the... the the magistrate in the Ahsoka Tana episode stabs his dark trooper in the neck and then he just blows the rest of them out into space like Ellen Ripley style from Alien. That was the only way that was the only way Ripley ever beat the alien. She just fucking blew it out the airlock. That's all she did. <laughs> Blow it out your airlock. That's, that's <laughs> what came to my head. Now, now I'm going to yell it at it, people. So you have Cara Dune, you have Fe- Fennec, you have... Bo-Katan and Sasha Banks, they take the bridge, but Moff Gideon's gone. So there's like, oh fuck, where's this guy at? Mando gets down to the brig and Gideon's got the Darksaber just right above Baby Yoda's head. Like, I'll kill him. I'll fucking kill him. And Mando tells him just, hey, I just want the kid. Like, I love Mando's attitude. He's like, I don't give a fuck. Just... I don't care about your damn politics. Just give me the kid and you can do whatever the hell you want. Let me let me just me and him get out of here. Yeah, yeah, just let me let me grab my little buddy here. We're going to bounce. 
keep the ship, keep the saber. Hey, by the way, they're trying to kill you up on the bridge. I'm out, bro. And so uh, Moff Gideon tells him, like, all right, take him. Did I not say? I'm like, don't turn your back. Don't yeah. don't turn your back. Yeah, I, I saw it coming, too. And then, you know, your little commentary. And then as soon as he turns his back, tries to stab him in the back. But, hey, he's wearing Beskar. And Moff Gideon's like, oh, shit. I, I, oh, I didn't know that wasn't going to work. Yeah, then they have a tiny little short fight. Ting, 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 pew, pew. She also does Foley work, guys. That's... I don't. <laughs> you, you, really? Because I thought ting, ting, pew, pew. That actually sounded pretty professional. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, of course, Mando kicks the shit out of, out of Moff Gideon. Just beat his monkey ass. It was fantastic. Because Gideon acted like a badass. And then Mando kicks the shit out of him. Cuffs so him. like, I got this. Like, I don't got it. I don't got this. <laughs> and next scene, Mando's taking Gideon in binders to the bridge. Darksaber in one hand. He's got Gideon in the other one. Baby Yoda riding shotgun in his pocket. I like how they're just like, they're all standing there on the bridge waiting. And like, the door's whoosh open and he's just like walking through like it's nothing like hey guys what are you up to hey what's up I got this I got a new frame I found this you guys want some and And he just like holds up the dark saber like like oh yeah you wanted this too right oh and then and then well Bo-Katan looks at him like the fuck because they said earlier in the episode he she said I don't care Moff Gideon's mine as long as he surrenders to me but we don't know why Anyone who's watched Clone Wars knows why, but everyone else is just like, all right, whatever. She looks at him like, are you fucking kidding me, bro? And that's when Gideon fills in the, fills in the blanks like, oh, yeah, by the way, um, whoever, whoever holds the Darksaber rules Mandalore. And so Mando turns around and goes, here, it's yours. And Gideon's like, no, no. You oh, got- wait, there's more. <laughs> She's like, no, you have to win it in combat. And Mando just looks at her and says, Take it. It's yours. I yield. I don't want to fight you. No, just take the stupid shiny thing. Right, and Gideon's like, Nope, doesn't work. She has to take it from you in battle. I'm sitting there going, Dude, you have Sasha Banks right there. Just fucking choreograph a wrestling match. She wins it in combat in front of everybody. Like, how fucking hard is this shit? Come on. It's not that bad. We get an alarm, and the dark troopers are back. Yeah, they just flew back in the open airlock, and I did think they kind of you, they bitched them out. Like you made these these badass new droids, and then just blow them out of an airlock like nothing. So it's good to see we didn't completely make them look like bitches. They come back, and Moff Gideon's like, "Oh, you guys are fucked now." Clo- he was definitely on some kind of emotional roller coaster, I think. He was. I. He's I, like, "Yes, I'm on top." Oh shit, everything's I'm gonna die. I'm dying. I'm dying. I'm just gonna Yay, Dark Troopers coming. He plays he played just a great, just smarmy, sniveling heel. Because when he had the Darksaber and he had the Dark Troopers, he was a badass. And then when all that shit was taken away, he's just a sniveling little bitch. And the Dark Troopers come back, he's like, Oh, yeah, you know you're all gonna die, right? Everybody in this room except me is gonna die. And blast doors close, and and these guys are getting ready to face down a a platoon full of dark troopers. We hear another alarm, and we see one X-Wing fly in. 
And what did I say a couple episodes ago? Didn't I say 11th hour when we all think that everything's going to shit? Oh no, everything is lost. Some random Jedi, or maybe the Jedi, is going to come in, save the day, and take the baby Yoda. Are you are you taking credit for this? Did you call this? I did. Okay. All right. I'll give it to you. You called it. <laughs> but I no, I love the fact that even Cara Dune was talking shit. She's just like, oh, one X-Wing. Great. We're saved. <laughs> And but you saw me. I went, no, no fucking way. You looked at me and you're like, what? Yeah. And then we were debating on like, did they get Sebastian? Well, no, because it was it was more slow developing than that because we saw the two uh, Rebel X Wing fighters earlier in the season. So could have been one of those guys. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like, oh, if that if that fat guy jumps out of the the x-wing the guy we saw before like i'm gonna be pissed and then i th- and then went no and you're just looking at me like what's wrong I th- yeah you definitely caught on faster than i did and i said who is the most famous x-wing pilot in all of S- star wars i almost said star trek there and if i if i made that mistake i'd have punched myself in the neck well for in all fairness we have been we were binging star trek before we well star trek the next generation is still on this tv behind you <laughs> we didn't turn it off Oh, yeah. It is. Yeah, it's still going. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, folks, anyway, we're watching Star Trek before we get into the Mandalorian show. Anyway, who was the most famous X-Wing pilot in all of Star Wars? And you went, who? I didn't say who. You told me before I even answered. Did I? Is that how it went? Okay, yeah, we, we've by both the time been... you were talking Well, about we've it. both been crossfaded since then, so the details are a little fuzzy. Yeah, that's true. So, the pacing of this reveal, fucking brilliant. It was definitely a, a heavy drum roll because you see, it, it's this. It starts out with the X-wing, then it then it's like a hooded figure. Walking you just see, out, yeah, you just see a clo- a hooded cloaked figure from the back, and, and you and I are, as, he, as he gets closer, then you see then you see the gloved hand. Well, then I then you see then you see the not gloved hand. And you're like, whoa! Oh. Well, I love the way this was shot. I'm actually surprised you didn't catch this because you're the you're the filmmaker nerd. I'm not. They did the X-Wing. They cut to Mando and Kara and all them like, the fuck? Then they cut to the cloaked figure. They cut back to um, Fennec and they cut me like, the fuck is going on? Then you see the lightsaber. You see the lightsaber just cutting down dark sabers, dark sabers, dark troopers. You cut to Moff Gideon and he's got this great oh shit look on his face. Like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I've caught that. I just... And then that's when you cut to the black-gloved hand holding the green lightsaber. And this is unmistakably the hilt of Luke Skywalker's Return of the Jedi lightsaber. Mm -hmm. And it was right there. I almost started crying. I, I like I, I'm Aww. choking back tears because I'm like, I'm I'm seven years old again. This is fucking great. He comes in and fucks those dark troopers up. This is and everyone's been comparing this to the Darth Vader scene from Rogue One, where Vader just came in and just cut down a platoon full of rebels. Luke came in and just whooped the shit out of all of these dark troopers. It was like nothing. It was so. It was just so effortless, and it was. It was very fluid, like he was a ballerina. Well, this is, and I've been reading a lot of reviews. This was the Luke Skywalker that they wanted to see 
in Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. This is this is the one we wanted to see. Right. Instead of the old crotchety, grizzled, fucking just burnout hermit. Everybody here okay, so we're getting ahead of that. He just cuts all these all these dark troopers down. Mando goes, Open the blast doors. And Kara's like, are you fucking crazy, dude? Like, really? He's All like, of them, they're like, uh, no, thank you. And he says it again, open the doors. And everyone just looks at him like, kind of on your own here, bro. And he walks over, opens the fucking doors, and this is where they, they haven't shown his face yet. This is where you and I were, uh, were debating. Is this Mark Hamill? Is this Sebastian Stan? Who is this? pulls the cloak back and it is CGI Mark Hamill and I geeked the fuck out I they did a pretty good job see now a lot of people are bitching a lot of people are bitching about the CGI de-aged Mark Hamill I think I can see where maybe they would be upset because you can it's, it's an obvious CGI like there's there's a lot of stiffness in his mouth when he was saying his lines and they kept his lines super short. I don't think he said more than maybe 15 words total and it was as far as dialogue and people being excited of who it was going to be and all that stuff. It, honestly, I would say that I can see where some people would be a little bit disappointed and feel let down because it's like, oh, it's Mark Hamill. Like, he should have more... Honestly, as a voice actor, I probably would have been like, no, I need more. I need to have, like, maybe one or two more lines. But it was just, like, almost like how they did Yoda. In the beginning, I can't remember. Gosh, all of the Star Wars has completely blurred. It's all run together for you. It's all run together. But I remember that when they first introduced Yoda, he wasn't very talkative. And it wasn't until they developed the character and had some animated series and stuff like that where um it was like Yoda's more like this smart ass like Mr. Miyagi type person to Luke. So um I don't know like I, I cinematically I think it was a great reveal. I think the whole thing body language and everything it definitely looks like him, but as far as the mouth movement and stuff you can tell his facial expressions were very rigid it wasn't it was it was definitely cgi wasn't human so which is kind of surprising because we have great technology i don't know why they wouldn't have like i see and here's kind of my take on that is people are going to bitch no matter what that's again i like i've said before the internet is is just it's the valley of the clenched buttholes no matter what you do there's going to be some group of people that bitches about it we cgi mark hamill people are going to bitch about the cgi if you use Mark Hamill like he is today, 2020, well, he's too old. Why would you do that? If we recast, why would you recast Luke Skywalker? Like, the only acceptable option is to create, is to invent a time machine, go back to 1983, kidnap Mark Hamill, and bring him in to do this. That way everyone's happy. That's, except the kidnap Mark Hamill. That, that's, he's the only one going like, what the fuck, dude? But everyone else is like, great idea. That's... But I thought I thought CGI Mark Hamill was great. He didn't talk that much. He said, "What was it?" Mando asks him, "Are you a Jedi?" He goes, "I am." And then he kind of gestures over to Baby Yoda. Mando says he doesn't want to go with you. And Luke says he wants your permission. 
Like they kept all of his lines really short. And then he says, I will give my life to protect this child. And then I think his only other line was, may the force be with you. Mm-hmm. And he grabs baby Yoda and he bounces. Oh, we got, we got a cameo from R2-D2. Let's not. Oh yeah. R2-D2 in the Grogu scene was, was pretty endearing. Like he let, uh, the third leg went up and then he just did his little wiggle like, Ee! yeah, he didn't want to go with Luke, but all of a sudden R2-D2 comes in. He's like, Ooh, new toy. Oh my gosh. I can see the concept art now. Like piggyback riding on r2d2 or yeah so i thought but i thought it's one of those things that the luke skywalker reveal was great but it also pissed me off because it was so obvious it was everyone was like well what jedi is going to show up it's so obvious that it had to be luke skywalker this is at five years after return of the jedi we didn't know Ahsoka was still alive until she showed up here. And then she even said, I'm not a Jedi. I'm no longer a Jedi. And, but the only one we still know about for sure is Luke Skywalker still out there. We just didn't think we're like, there's no way they're bringing Mark Hamill in for this. Apparently they brought him in a year ago. Mark Hamill tweeted out. I, I, yeah. He's like, I'm so glad we were able to keep this, uh, keep this silent for a year. Hashtag loose lip sync ships. Hashtag shut the fuck up. I, I love Mark Camel. He's great. Yeah, I don't know how I got uh, subscribed to his tweets, but I get every time I he him and who else? Him and Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman, of course, because their feud is hilarious. Um, who else is there? I don't know who else, but for some reason, like every time those specific actors. Oh, and Jensen Ackles. Mm-hmm. Every time they tweet, I get an email. I don't know who set it up. Maybe my higher self did. Thank you, <laughs> higher self. <laughs> Stony baloney, Amy. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to give out your alter ego. Um, so anyway, but the question is, where do we go from here? Uh, because season three, the whole series up to this point, seasons one and two have been the dynamic between Mando and Grogu. Next season, we're not going to have a Grogu. At least I don't think we will. We probably won't. And I'm thinking that this is going to definitely open up. You know, with any typical episodical show, you can guarantee that when one or more characters leave the show, one or more characters join the show. Right. Because they have to fill... And then, of course, if the show is more successful, then they can add more bodies. Which is kind of funny because during COVID we can't have very many people on the set. Well, what what I what I love is that with all of the new shows being introduced, the Ahsoka show and the Obi Wan and the you know Rangers of the New Republic, they've already guaranteed we're going to have crossovers. So, well, obviously the Mandalorian race, the Mandalorian name, Mando, you know, whatever, whatever his. I know he has an actual name. I just keep forgetting it because everybody calls him Mando. Guy. Mando? Yeah. Din, Jardin. Well, already. Yeah, but Mando's way more fun to say. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Um, with all with all that they've been foreshadowing, I think that they want to deep dive deeper into the whole what happened to the Mandalorians, how they got their start. Maybe he's, he's the one destined to bring them back to... 
I don't know what, like, maybe they're the way they were meant to be or something, because apparently there's some different um, ideals as to what Mandalorians are supposed to be. Like, it even said um, in one of the episodes before with um, Bill Burr. Oh, Bill Burr. He was saying when they were driving in the tank, and he said, um, is it about not showing your face or is it about like, and he was trying to get him to, and yeah, I, he's asking him like, is it not taking off the helmet or is it just not showing your face or what yeah, are the rules? Exactly. Dude? So I feel like, I feel like they are trying, they're definitely trying to develop Mando's character deeper on a deeper level to get him to really see like, well, what is it that you want? Maybe, maybe in the future he's going to combat, um, you closed your notes and I don't remember her name. Kara. <laughs> no. Um, Ahsoka. No, the other one with the short hair that wanted the dark saber. Bo-Katan. That's the one. So maybe, maybe after he learns more about his heritage, even though he's a foundling, maybe he learns more about the Mandalorians and wants to protect what that is, and he doesn't like the way she's trying to take it. And I mean, she is obviously her main her end game is getting the Mandalorian throne, and maybe that's what what, what the aim of the show is. They're going to develop the Mandalorian story. So that that frees up space for all these other shows to blossom in their own part of the Star Wars universe. Well, there have been a lot of fan theories and, and fan theories you can take with a grain of salt because it's just fan theories is basically wouldn't it be cool if it doesn't mean that's what they're going to do. It means wouldn't it be cool if this is what happened? A lot of them that I've read so far sound really cool because you have you have Ahsoka out there. You have Luke Skywalker. You have Bo-Katan. And what can happen is you can have a crossover where Luke Skywalker ends up on Ahsoka's show. And Ahsoka knew Anakin Skywalker when he was still Anakin. Ahsoka also knows that Anakin turned to the dark side. So you have you can have Luke saying, hey, what was my father like before he turned? And you have you can have that dynamic. You have Luke saying, oh, by the way, he didn't die. Um in the dark side. He, he came back to the light. So you can fill in all of these, all of these blanks for everybody. That definitely would help because especially since she said the line, the reason there's a reason for every vague line in a, in a show or in a movie, because it foreshadows something, even if even something super tiny, it's still, there's still like foreshadowing because you got to get yourself to the end of the story. So maybe her saying that she's not a Jedi anymore. Maybe, that's something that they're going to develop, and maybe Luke does hop onto her show, and maybe he gives her something to think about. They did. I, I found something very funny, because I can't remember if it was Favreau or Filoni. They confirmed, and like I said, I don't know if I've said this before, uh, Mace Windu's still alive. Yes. He's still alive. He's been gone for 25 years, but he's still alive, and we're going to see him in Season 3 of Mandalorian. At some point, him and Boba are going to cross paths. And I immediately laughed hysterically because you have Mace Windu, Boba Fett, and Luke who are still alive. You have Mace Windu looking at Boba going, Hey, remember that time I killed your dad? You have Luke Skywalker going, Hey, remember that time my dad killed you? You have Luke going, Boba, hey, remember that time I thought I killed you? <laughs> like, just those three characters. Very interesting. Dynamic. It's going to be really awkward. 
<laughs> I want to see those guys playing cards or having drinks together. That would be interesting. But you can obviously not something that that ridiculous, that absurd. But you do you have the ability to now cross over to different shows. It's one of one of the things that draws me to the Star Wars brand is that it's just like it. The universe is so vast, and the characters are so. They're so human, so they can definitely go any number of paths, which means the stories, the story opportunities are endless. And being a creator myself, I, maybe because I'm young and it's new for me still, but I cannot imagine creating something this vast and this, still having so much potential, regardless of how old I am. Like, I can still make movies, I can still make comic books, like, I can still... Um, do little TV shows here and there in my universe. I, as a creator, I can. I don't think I'll ever be able to understand why Lucas said, "Well, I'm gonna sell the rights to all this stuff and just you know walk away." Well, see, and you're not even you're not even familiar with the the extended universe, all the yeah. legends books and and all the comics and things well, I mean, like I'm that. Familiar with right? Them, well, you know you know of them. Yes. But if I understand this prop, uh, correctly. Every comic, every uh, book, everything Star Wars, Lucas had to approve. And I've already I've already gone up through the Clone Wars and all of the extended universe books tie so much stuff together. And there are, there's stuff in the books that refer to stuff that happened in the Clone Wars and and Lucas was able to tie all of this shit together. And so I, I just, again, the guy had one idea and it made him a billionaire. I think that, okay, I'm having a blink again. What's his, how do you pronounce his last name? Favreau. Favreau. Yes. Because I keep wanting to think, I keep thinking of Brett Favre. <laughs> it's funny because I keep thinking Rod, Rod Farva from Super Troopers. So it, it's, <laughs> you know, Favreau, John Favreau. What I was going to say is that. I think that working on, working in the Marvel um, with Marvel Studios for the as long, the length that he did, you know, all the Iron Man movies, the Avengers, I really feel like he saw a good business model. And now that he's over here and he's very familiar with the Star Wars universe, he's like, "Hmm, I could do some things." And well, he's he's ju- he knows just enough to make him dangerous and him and Filoni are a great team. Well, he worked because John Favreau worked on the Marvel side. He worked with Kevin Feige, and Kevin Feige was the uh, uh, liaison between Marvel Studios and Marvel Comics. So it was Feige's job to make sure that everything was true to the source material. So I think you have Favreau comes over from the Marvel side to the Star Wars side and goes, "Hey, Dave, do you want to be Kevin Feige?" <laughs> <laughs> Because that's pretty much what Filoni is. Filoni is basically the, the he's the, the tap into Lucas' brain. Like. Right, because Lucas created this. Lucas takes Filoni under his wing and he's, George Lucas ends up being the Mr. Miyagi to, da- uh, to Dave Filoni's Danielson. So, yeah, and, and again, you have Favreau coming over and be like, um, bro, you, you want to be the Star Wars uh, Kevin Feige because we can do that and that's kind of what they're doing right now so alright folks um, that is our review of The Mandalorian like I said I hope you I hope you saw it before you watch this because I warned you 
Warn you three times, there's going to be fucking spoilers. So anyway, Amy, thank you again for, for being here and help me do this. My pleasure. All right. And um, anyway, that's, I guess I should plug some shit. Anyway, I am Greg Hernandez, the Ninja Nerd Warrior. You can follow me on all, almost all forms of social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Amy's really trying to get me to put together a TikTok. Oh, he needs it. It'll happen. Just wait. Okay. She's, she's going to work on me, folks. She's going to definitely try and get me to... It's peer pressure. She's going to get me to do a TikTok. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. <laughs> All right. I still have merchandise available at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Ninja Nerd Warrior. And um, you can, again, you can go to NinjaWarriorPodcast.com for all of the shows. You can also go to uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you get your favorite podcasts from. And uh, go ahead, check us out. Give us five stars. And you can, uh, I would highly recommend us to your friends. I would. Please don't make me beg. I'm not above it. Anyway. All right, folks, that is going to be it. And uh, we will talk to you next weekend. I have some good ideas for next weekend because do you know what comes out this week? No, what? Christmas Day, Wonder Woman 1984. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so you and I might be reviewing that one. Might be. Anyway, I'm going to call it right now. Spoiler warning. Go watch Wonder Woman 84 or like watch our, listen to our show later. Anyway, we will talk to you later. Good night, Amy. Good night. Wait, wait, wait. How the hell am I going to end this show without talking about the post-credit scene? Yeah, yeah, that happened, folks. We get a post-credit scene at the end of this episode because we are just we are going full Marvel in the Star Wars universe and we get a shot of Jabba the Hutt's palace. And we cut into the inside of Jabba's throne room, Bib Fortuna. Bib Fortuna has has taken command of Jabba's crime syndicate, and apparently the last five years have been good to him because that dude got fat. We cut to somebody running up the stairs. We then hear blaster fire. We then see somebody rolling back down the stairs, and Fennec walks in. She comes in and just guns down everybody in the throne room except Bib Fortuna and the hot little Twi'lek slave girl who was chained to the dais because it's Jabba the Hutt's uh, palace and we always have to have a hot little Twi'lek slave girl, I guess. So Fennec just shoots the chain, tells her to get out of here, you're free. Bobo walks in and, oh, Bib Fortuna immediately goes into ass-kisser mode. He's just like, Boba, I, I thought you were dead. I mean, I mean, I heard you were dead, but I heard rumors and Boba not fucking around, just shoots him four or five times right in the chest, just the Mark David Chapman treatment, just right in the fucking chest. Boba Fett goes up, grabs him by his head tails, throws him out of the throne, sits down, and just assumes control of of Jabba the Hutt's crime syndicate, I guess. I don't know. But then we are alerted that the Book of Boba premieres December 2021 so I don't know if we're getting a Boba Fett series if we're getting a mini series I, I don't know what they haven't gone into detail yet but that's why there was little to no Boba Fett in this episode it makes perfect sense um, they wanted to save the best for last and I thought about it I was thinking about this earlier and you know another reason I thought there wasn't a whole lot of Boba Fett in this episode that climactic finale that that last five minutes of the episode of that group 
Mando, Cara Dune, Fennec, Bo-Katan, Sasha Banks. If Boba had been there, who would have been the only person to recognize Luke Skywalker? It would have been Boba Fett. Boba would have been like, no, wait, hold on. I know this motherfucker. Like, no, he killed me in the last movie. Fuck this guy. So, yeah, you had to get rid of Boba Fett. Otherwise, that last scene would have been full of plot holes. And let's face it, fans would have lost their shit. So, anyway, that's why I'm assuming that's why there was no Boba Fett. So, all right, folks, I had to cover the post credit scene. Talk to you next week. All right, thanks for letting me take care of that, everybody. And I am the Ninja Nerd Warrior. You can find me on all forms of social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. And you can drop me a line on any of those. Hit me up. Say what's up. Say, if, you know, if you like the show. If you don't like the – you know what? Don't tell me if you don't like the show. Um, but, yeah, hit me up, and it would be good to hear from you guys. If you're listening to this podcast, you already know where to find it. But in case you don't. You can find this anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. I am talking Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere. So I'm going to go ahead and say goodbye, folks, and uh, you guys take care. Talk to you later. <laughs>